Uh, good morning. Welcome on in to another edition of The Morning After. I'm your boy, Tubby, right here in our studio, right here in 102 Compton. Uh, this is 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. How's everybody doing on this fine Friday? You know what? It's actually really kind of good. It's nice out today. I mean, it's a little chilly this morning. I believe it was like around the 40s or so when I on my drive in this morning. But the sun is out. The sky is blue. Your boy Tubby's in a suit, which doesn't really happen except for Wednesday and today. So today's going to be a great day. Coming up today, hopefully I have um, Pierre Woods will be joining us today. Um, he's a former NFL player, uh, undrafted free agent in 2006 with the New England Patriots, um, Cleveland native, and graduate of that university up north, also known as Michigan. Um, hopefully he'll be calling in here shortly to talk a little bit about the NFL, uh, what it's like being an undrafted free agent, and some different things going on with the NFL. Uh, some of the teams are laying down. Some of them are playing up to their competition. Also coming up at 9.30, I will be joined by my normal um, co-host, or actually the head of the show, Tyler Trumbauer, who is in Connecticut today, or this weekend rather, with the Fighting Scots women's soccer team. They're going against a familiar foe in East Stroudsburg. Today, you can hear that right here on 88.9. Uh, the, the kick is at noon, and Tyler will be bringing you all the action live right here um, on 88.9. You can stream that through Edinburgh now or via the TuneIn app to catch all the action as your ladies are in the Sweet 16 uh, if they win today, they will play again on Sunday, also in Connecticut, against an opponent yet to be determined. And I believe that kickoff time for that game will also be at 1 o'clock. We will bring you that game in lieu of the ladies' basketball game. The women also have a game here, I believe, against Millersburg or Millersville, one of the two. And they will be playing at 1 o'clock here at Macomb. But here on WFSE, we'll bring you the soccer game. If there is a soccer game, we will bring you that game in lieu of the basketball game. Then join the soccer game already in progress to bring you all the or bring you the most action possible for your fighting Scots. Uh, let's see. I really didn't have. Let's see what's going on here. I grab the old knowledge box here. Find out what's going on. We had a game last night which interests us here in the studio anyway, as Mike Fenner's Tennessee Titans lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars in a not-so-much-a-high-scoring game, a 19-13 game. Uh, Marcus Mariota did look fairly good in his, uh, in his debut, or not his debut, rather, but in, uh, in this game. Uh, he didn't do too bad coming out. And... Uh, you know, the Jacksonville just ended up pulling it out with their defense. Uh, the Titans had a crucial fumble, and, you know, that was the turning point of the game. Uh, you look at the uh, rushing yards. They had um, – Yeldon had uh, 54 yards, Robinson 27. You look at rushing on the Tennessee Titans side, Mariota had 29 yards. Andrews had 78 uh, receivers, D. Walker from Tennessee had 109 yards. 
where Green Beckham had 40. Uh, on the Jacksonville side, Robinson had 113 yards and Walters had 35. Uh, you look at Bortles' uh, completion to attempts. He, had, he was 21 of 30 for a total of 241 with one TD. Marcus Mariota was 22 of 35 and 231 yards and zero touchdowns. Now, this is new because Mariota has been able to score a touchdown or a throw for a touchdown in each of his NFL starts. One of the rare rookies to be able to do so. Um, so right now, let's go ahead and we're going to take a little break and see if we can't get uh, Pierre on the phone here real quick. I'll be coming back with you here shortly after this break. I have some dropkick Murphy's for you right here on 88.9 WFSE Fighting. Uh, let's see if we have uh, Pierre on the line. Pierre, are you with us? I'm with you. How you guys doing? I'm doing well, man. You're si- it's a, it's coming in a little weak. Are you are you on the move today? What's that? I said, are you on the move today? Yeah, <laughs> I'm out here. Um, I'm at work, but um, getting things done. So, still talking to you. I just got to get some stuff uh, taken care of. That's all. <laughs> all right, awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, for you listeners out here, I have uh, on the phone with me right now is Pierre Woods, undrafted free agent. Uh, in 2006 with the New England Patriots, played with them until 2010, correct? Yes, sir. And then uh, spent some time with the Buffalo Bills. Sorry, me what did you say? Uh, spent some time with the Buffalo Bills as well? Yeah, four games with the Buffalo Bills in 2010. Finished out, um, uh, what, January 2nd, 2011. Got our head beat in by the New York Jets. Um with a terrible defense and offense performance. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it happens. And then now you're the uh, co-host of ABC uh, Channel 5 WEWS in Cleveland, Dogs on the Run, which is a Monday web show hosted by yourself and Andy Baskin, uh, where you guys break down all the action from uh, Sundays or the previous week's game with the Cleveland Browns. How's that been working out for you? How's that experience for you? Uh, the experience has been going great, man. I love it. Um, you know, you you call in, you, you went off on me the one time, and uh, I mean, it's funny because the guy named George from Lakewood, man, he always goes with the, the F-bomb and stuff like that, but um, I enjoy it. Um, it's a great time with Andy. He's a, he's a great um, co-host, and um, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to get on and, um, you know, to, just to do the, the uh, podcast show with him. Right. It's, I, I know a lot of the fans out there enjoy it a lot. And uh, I just wanted to talk to you real quick about um, your experience, what it's like being an undrafted free agent coming in. Does that add, like, that you weren't drafted? Does that put, like, a huge chip on your shoulder that you have to outwork and show these guys that they really missed out on something? Yeah, I mean, it, it was like that, to have a huge chip on my shoulder and things like that. But I just knew that, you know, um, that I can do it. I've always been able to do it. I've always been very athletic. Um, I, I never had a serious injury besides breaking my jaw, you know, on um, maybe the AC joint here or whatever, tendonitis in the elbow. But um, just to be an athletic guy, man, that didn't get opportunity that, you know, I should have gotten, um, I never just let it, you know, bother me or get, get me down. And then um, when I had my opportunity to do what I needed to do, I did it. Um, I've always been able to run. And, uh, you know, people always talk about a 40 time. To me, a 40-time in football suite is two different things. You know, you can run fast 
you know, without equipment on. But then you got some guys that can run fast with equipment on and without it on. So I've always just been able to run. I, if, you, if you don't mind, it doesn't matter. And um, you, know, you can't teach effort. Right. And we were talking uh, yesterday uh, as we were setting up this call. We were talking about effort. And you were talking about the lack of effort in some of these pro teams, especially with the Browns and how they went into their rival and just – I believe you stated in your eyes where they just kind of laid down. They didn't have that. Uh, they gave up on a lot of plays. They did give up on a lot of plays. I mean, there's no way that a guy like Antonio Brown, who you know is a perennial All-Pro, who who's gonna you know get his 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 off regardless. But when you he sees you slow down in a jumbotron, to be able to do a, a somersault in the ends on a front flip, like that's embarrassing. I mean, as a as a player. And as a former player, as a as a guy who loves and have a passion for football and, and love everything about it, like man, I wanted to go out there and hit that dude. Like if I could, you know, there's no way I would have slowed down. I'd have kept running. You know, what I'm saying you don't give up on a play until it's over, even though you know he was going to score. But to know that that dude did that, like the next time we play the the, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, if they don't have a chip on their shoulder, so huge where everybody's walking with a gangster lane. It's a problem, especially <laughs> when you see a Tony O'Brown. You know what I'm saying? And no, they this dude did a front flip to score a touchdown. That's embarrassing. Right now, which like, is you, they have a they've been talking a lot about it in the media. Which do you think is, is more demeaning, the the Antonio Brown flip or the Cam Newton end zone dance? I think both of them. You know, it's, it's disrespectful for a quarterback for one to do what he did. I mean that that's Cam though. Cam always does, you know, what he do and um he's always doing some type of dance or something like that. But all it takes is for you to smack a quarterback, you know, really smack him, put him out the game, and then he ain't gonna be doing all that dancing no more. And then if you do a dance if you do a dance again, then you just hit him again. You keep on hitting him. And then the receiver to do what he did, I mean, he's in front of you. I mean, twenty four I forget the kid's name, he had a funny last name, but man, like that is terrible. That's the same guy that Mark Bartivius Mingo outran to, to catch a receiver at an angle uh, down the sideline a few games before that. Like if you not if you're a defensive back and you you don't have the speed, you better have great technique. I'm talking about excellent technique to stay in front of these guys and keep the guy in front of you. Like you you don't let nobody get behind you if you ain't got the speed. Plain and simple. And that's something that he doesn't have. Like he's a younger dude, but. He doesn't have the speed. And Justin Gilbert should be ashamed to say, you know what, I'm a scratch, a healthy scratch, and I got a guy that's undrafted in front of me, playing in front of me, getting burnt, where I could have helped my teammates out and helped my team, but because he bullcraps in practice and he don't take it serious, like, why Why do we draft this kid? What What are we doing? Like, the talent, the talent evaluation, the people in our scouting department sucks. Those old guys need to get gone. They, they so far stuck. Like, Jim Brown can scout better than they can, and that ain't his job. Right. That's not his job. But, oh, my goodness, like, those dudes suck. You can find somebody on the street that will play and get more effort than what Justin Gilbert's getting right now. Right. And we had talked about that briefly, too. You had mentioned that where um, uh, I believe that, that – who's the scout's name? Was he from the Patriots that was a, a former um, college quarterback and now he's evaluating talent? Or – I can't remember how it goes, but anyway, where the like the, the scouts that you had, you got guys that didn't have like quite NFL caliber t- 
talent to be in the NFL, but they knew these guys who they were playing against, and they knew who was good and who wasn't and who had the motor and, and all that stuff. So you, do you feel that coming out of the season then that the Browns um, kind of clean house, as it were, in their scouting department? I think whoever the head of the scouting department is needs to go, and then everybody else, because the, the scouting department, like that, that's who evaluates talent. The coach, the head coach can't go out and, and, and watch every game, college game, and, and go out and evaluate talent. And like Ray Farmer talking about, well, send me film. Well, film is good to have, but, you know, you need the people that's going to go out there and watch those guys play in person. That way you know what you got. Like Glenville, our high school, we had a kid who named Devon Anderson, and um, this kid was a tailback, defense, I mean, a tailback that played at our high school. And, he, you know, he's an openly gay guy. He runs a track at Ohio State right now, and he's talking about he wanted to transfer to Arkansas. But when I say I've seen this kid run people over and was faster than most guys on, on the field, and if you gave him a block, he just said, you know, he felt like he wasn't a complete back, so he couldn't catch the ball at the backfield. But I talked to my man who was at, my boy who was at a – University of Michigan at the time, who worked out with, who's out with Washington State now, I said, man, why didn't y'all recruit this kid? I'm like, dude, this is a tailback that could have helped y'all. Well, man, you know, I ain't, I ain't, I couldn't do it or whatever. He was like, man, I wanted him to come here. I said, I'm not talking to Lloyd Carr. I said, what are you guys doing? Like, that's talent. Like, you know talent when you see it. You know what I'm saying? You know somebody that got it, the it factor or not, regardless of whatever your, 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 your sexual origin is or whatever it is. Like, I know talent. When I see talent, I know it. And, they, you know, it's like a kid that played at Holland Springs. Um, they, they, their nicknames are the Blue Devils. They got a tailback. He's only a junior. His next year, his senior year, he played against my high school, the other, like, what, two weeks ago? I said, I told him, I said, man, you're going to go to college and you're going to go to the pros. You stay healthy, bro. Just like that. Because mm-hmm. the kid had it. Some kids got that it back and some don't. Like, just like uh, coaches told me when I was in high school. Man, you're gonna go far. You're gonna go to pros, the seventh, third. But you gotta believe it, and you gotta know yourself, and be humble about it. You know what I'm saying? Don't, don't, don't go out there and think that you got the big head. You think you're the man, because when you think that, that's when stuff happens. It's yep. good to have that confidence in yourself and to know that you know what I'm doing, and not just for me, but for my team, my community, and and the people around me, and especially for my teammates. You know what I'm saying? I love the game. I have a passion for it, and I know what it takes. Right. I mean, to, to me, the Browns just need to really look into their, their scouting department and say, man, what are we doing? Why are we scouting? Why are we getting these guys who are not good? I mean, hey, you can go and get a whole bunch of undrafted guys that could play harder than with guys you drafted, and mm-hmm. you ain't got to pay them nothing. Right. Uh, looking around the, the NFL, what NFL team has surprised you the most uh, in, in a good way? In a good way, I look at the Seattle Seahawks. To have three guys convert that played last year, played defensive line to play offensive line, that's amazing. That's amazing. And and their quarterback is not getting sacked all the time. Yeah, they ain't winning the games they was winning. But for them to do that, to lose three parts on the offensive line, trade their, their, their center um, down at Seattle, for a tight end, put a guy who played defensive tackle last year to center, another guy that played deep tackle to right tackle, and somebody else as left guard or right guard, whatever it is, that's amazing. But the team that really, I mean, it's, it's, it's no surprise. It's New England Patriots. 
for them to do what they've been doing for year in, year out, um, with Brady being the age that he is, and for them to still be winning the way that they're doing, you know, it's no surprise. I mean, if you, you can say, you know, Calvin Benjamin, who got injured down in Carolina, you know, by him tearing his ACL, and now Ted Ginn Jr. and, and, and Funches and those, that cruel guy, um, um, Olsen, those guys stepping up and playing a big role for Cam Newton to have success he's having. I mean, it starts in the backfield too, though, with Jonathan Stewart. You know, he's out there running the ball effectively, so that, that helps. Right. What's the team that's the, uh, what's the biggest team that, that has gone down and there was the biggest surprise that they're so low? The Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland, right. my, the Cleveland Browns, in my eyes, I mean, I, like I said, everybody has talent. I remember the Detroit Lions went 0-16, and that team had so much talent on it. They had so many great players that it, it was just shameful to even be on that team. And my, my boy, Lee Biden, who played for the Cleveland Browns, he was on that team. You know what I'm saying? He was like, P, it was embarrassing, man. It was embarrassing. But at the same time, I know Lee was a good player. You know what I'm saying? He knew he was a good player. Their team was good. They always had a good team. But right now it's the Cleveland Browns. I mean, you got guys, you got guys sitting on the sideline that you pay $9 million to. You mean to tell me you don't want to take that, take $9 million, split that in half, and give it to two other guys who will come in and bust a butt. There's some receivers out there. There's some guys up in Canada that that's tall, that's big, or or Terrell Pryor, you know what I'm saying, that wants to play, that wants to play. And I'm not saying Dwayne Bowe don't want to play. But he's not fighting to say, I want to be out there. Give me my opportunity. Give me my shot. Don't scratch me this week, coach. Like, it ain't about being a me guy, but at some point in time, it's like, man, I want to be out there. Right. So, I want to have some type of productions. You know, I want to help the team. I'm not helping the team just by practicing and sitting on the sideline, talking to receivers. Right. Most of the receivers, I mean, besides you know um, Gabriel, they they've been in the league for a minute. Mm-hmm. Most of them been in the league for a minute. Besides Gabriel, this is his second year. You know what I'm saying? Like, what am I? What, what I got to say to Brian Hartline that he don't already know? Right. You know, other other than where's your say, where's your fire? Where's your where's your desire at? Where's your you know what? It could come down to a, to a matter of personal pride. You know, you're you're an NFL player. You have a job that, you know, a hundred thousand people would love to have, but they just simply don't have the talent. And then you have the talent, but you can't muster up that little bit of desire, that little bit of self-respect, to go out there and show out and actually show what you can do. You're just gonna sit there and collect a check because it's a big check. You know, well, I. This is- what a man told me a long time ago, he said, you got to plant seeds. He said, when you plant your seeds, your seeds grow. It can be mustard seeds, just the same way it was in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're planting seeds as a Cleveland Brown, our seeds, man, they, they're rotten. They're rotten. They're going to hell right now. They're rotten. Because right now, if you think about it, what are we doing? We're not getting better. We're getting worse. Okay, Johnny Manziel is a starter. Everybody want to see this. you got to protect Johnny. Johnny's unpredictable because, yeah, he's going to stay in the pocket now because that's what they practice, that's what they preach, and stay in the pocket, stay in the pocket. But he's all, his game is not to stay in the pocket all the time. He's not tall enough. He's not tall enough. Yeah, he, his, his job, you know what I'm saying, what he does, that's great. Is he, he improvises. He gets outside the box. He gets outside the tackle box. He throws the ball. He can run a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But it ain't college. You don't have a Mike Evans. You don't have those other receivers you had that was six two, six three, six four. You know what I'm saying? You don't got that. You got Andy Hawkins, who's five something. 
you got Brian Harlan, who maybe six foot, five eleven, almost six foot. Yeah, with platform. You, the, you know, so you got Dwayne Bow, who's six two, but he ain't on the field. Mm-hmm. Devin Gilbert, who's almost it was six six foot six one, but he ain't playing receiver, and he can't even suit up to play defense or back. It's embarrassing. It's right. embarrassing. I mean, the whole organization, like you know, what I'm saying, like I'm not, I'm not trying to bash Ray Farmer or Mike Pettin. They know what they're doing. They've been in the game a lot longer. I have. They've been around. You know what I'm saying? But Ray Farmer, as a former player, to become a GM now, like, dude, you know better. You know better. I've sat down and talked to Ray before. He knows better. Like, come on, man. This is your job, your, your livelihood here. You know what I'm saying? Everybody looking at you like, man, why are you effing up? Why are you doing this? What are you, what, what's going on? The team is in shambles right now. Ain't nobody on the same page. You can't be afraid to sit down and say, all right, gentlemen, look, we're going to give these guys five days off. The rest of this and the third, but we're going to see how they're going to do. All right, Thanksgiving coming up. Why ain't there no Cleveland Browns players giving away turkeys in the hood? Right. I ain't saying, I ain't going to say none, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I know they'll give them away in the suburbs. Right. But, you know, you, you hear about uh, some Cavaliers players doing this and doing that. Yeah, how come but they the Browns, ain't going down to 25th you know, the, and Denison? You know what I mean? <laughs> right, <laughs> Opening up a truck and handing stuff out. No yeah. matter what. The Cavaliers don't sell out all the time. LeBron went back. It won't be no sellouts. The no. Indians don't sell out all the time. No, heck no. They... Year, year, year in and year out, the Cleveland Browns sell out. Sell out. Mm-hmm. Because people are diehard fans and they love the Browns. Win, lose, or draw. And I'm a, I, I love the Browns. I've always loved the Browns since I was a little kid. Like, I'm from Cleveland through and through. I don't wear no Browns hats, though. I don't wear no Cavaliers hats. I wear... My Indians hats. I love Indians. I love the Indians. Like, die hard, through and through. You know what I'm saying? I'm a Cavalier fan as well. But the Browns sell out. That's where the money's at. You know, they want to upgrade the stadium, and when they upgrade the stadium, it was still taxpayers are still paying for certain certain things with the stadium. Like, so, come on, man. Make make the people in the, pride, the city proud. Make them happy to say, okay, our team has done something. Right. Well, I had season tickets for, like, the last four years. And I used, to take, I used to take my sons all the way through until, depends on the weather in November, but they would go to games up through November. Like the first, first two games in November, they might go. And then after that, the weather turned and I wouldn't take them anymore. And they weren't bad. I was, I was in the third row from the top. So there's only like two more rows and then there ain't no more rows in the stadium. You know, like we almost needed oxygen tanks. We were sitting up so high. Okay. And they weren't bad. They were 35 bucks a seat. So that meant I, that meant I paid 350 for the 10-game season, okay, per seat. Not, not too bad, right? But now, right. with this season, with all the, uh, the amenity, like all the changes they made to the stadium, all that stuff, which it, it's, not, it, it's a nicer place. It's definitely louder in there now. But they raised my tickets in the nosebleeds to 50 bucks a ticket. 50 bucks. So that meant I 500 Yeah, 500 $500. My thing is this. If I'm gonna pay five hundred, I want to see a winning team. That's what I was saying. Simple. I mean, you want and me to pay? You want me to pay almost? You know, you you want me to pay like sixty percent more to go watch a four and twelve team at best? At best, you know, and you can't even tell me that those four wins are gonna come at home. So I drove my fat happy butt all the way over from PA, two and a half hours. Spent the sixty bucks, well, actually one hundred and twenty by the time I filled the tank up again. So one hundred and twenty dollars in gas, and then the sixty bucks at the stadium for your overpriced food that I could pick up at any local tavern in Cleveland, 
to sit in, in the nosebleed seats to watch this team lose. That's not a money-making market to me. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. But they're still making money. I mean, they're still selling out. I see the games on TV. There's not a whole lot of seats left. But yet on StubHub, they got tickets selling for 13 bucks for the 49ers game. 13 bucks to go see the Browns play the 49ers. Well, I say this, man. I know we got a Monday night game coming up on the 30th. Um, I've never been to a Browns game. I, you know, I, I don't ask nobody to go or anything like that. I, I personally, I can care less if I ever go to a Browns game. But on, on that Monday night game, we playing the Baltimore Ravens, who also have a terrible record. You know what I'm saying? But I don't, I can't see us beating Baltimore this time, no. like because there's no, there's no sense of urgency. It's like okay. Let's lose these games so we can get a pick. Man, I don't know how many draft picks that you can really find and without building a team with some veterans and a good core group of veterans and some, you know, draft picks to make a team better. Like Danny Sheldon is doing all he can, but he he doesn't have a veteran to help him. He doesn't have a veteran to tell him, man, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. They released Big Phil Taylor, man. Who yeah, he needs Big Phil. I think you know what I'm saying? And Big Phil cool dude, man. Do mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Come through the hood, everything. I I spoke to him numerous times, you know, who can help just the same way when he came in, he had Ruben, he had the other guy, you know what I'm saying? Like so he had somebody that to teach him. Right. That's 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 where you mess up at. Like any guy that ever been around, like, you know, when Vince Wilford first got to the New England Patriots, he had Big Ted Washington, you know what I'm saying? He had somebody that, that can guide him and show him the way. The, the, the play, the way that he needs to do his technique and things like that. I mean, how many tackles does show get to be a big guy? Yeah, he get double teamed. But you got to be able to split them double teams, get off the dog on block, and make plays. I've seen Vince do it many times. Right. You know what I'm saying? Hey, so, Pierre, I, I, hate it, to, I hate to cut this short, man. I mean, this is a lot of good stuff. I'm going to definitely have to have you call back in uh, another day, but it's I'm up against it here. It's 930, and I got I to gotta let you go, man. I hate to do it. Oh, it's no problem, man. You take care, man. God bless, and uh, no problem. Yeah, th- thanks so much for doing this again. I tell you what, I'll, I'll get with you. I'll get with you on Twitter. Hey, you can follow him at Pierre M Woods One on Twitter, and uh, and we'll I will get a hold of you, and I will definitely have you back probably coming up here in the next few weeks or so. All right, so you be cool, man. All take right, care. thank you so much, sir. Have a great day. You too. Okay, that was Pierre Woods. We're gonna go ahead and hit our break right now and try to get um, Tyler Trumbauer on the line, calling in from Connecticut, giving us an update on Borough women's soccer. And also he's going to have some comments about uh, Coach Browning leaving the uh, Fighting Scots football program. Stay tuned right here to 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. This is the morning hour. Alrighty, and we're back right here. This is Tubby. And uh, this is the morning after right here. Right now on the line I have for you Tyler Trumbauer calling in from Connecticut. Tyler, how are you today? I'm doing great, sir. How are you? I am I am doing well because I'm, I'm happy that I didn't mess up the phone interface. That's a great job. You're, uh, you're learning well. You know, you got a few more days to figure this out. This is good training for you for the post-Trumbauer era. And uh, so far, okay, I guess. Yeah, so far, yeah. I'm getting I'm getting a C average, so I'm all right. You get degrees, that's what they tell me. Yep, C's get degrees. So how is it out there in Connecticut? Is is the weather going to be a factor today for today's game? Uh, we had a, some pretty bad thunderstorms last night, a pouring down rain, the like. But right now, pretty sunny, uh, blue skies, 
Uh, looks to be the same, maybe low 50s for the game here, uh, kicking off at noon. I think we're going to have 10 to 20 mile per hour winds, so maybe wind could be a factor, but I don't think it's anything like Edinburgh has battled a couple of times here this season, especially against Gannon twice and uh, against Charleston back on, what was that, over a week ago, or exactly one week ago today in that first round of the NCAA tournament. So it should be better than yesterday, and uh, I'm looking forward to it in just uh, a little over two hours. Now, how much of it is a is it a confidence booster for this women's team? Face even though they're they're away from home, it's a long road trip. Um, they had a, a little bit of issues getting up there, but how much of it is, is it of a comfort that they're facing a familiar foe in East Stroudsburg? Uh, I mean, it's it's certainly huge. I mean, you're, you're, it's rare that you're going to get to the Sweet Sixteen of the NCAA tournament and face a team that you've not only faced before in that season, but is in your conference. I mean, this will be the third matchup between East Stroudsburg and Edinburgh, with Edinburgh winning 2-1 to one on senior day back in the regular season at Stock Harrison Stadium, and then obviously ESU getting the best of the Scots 2-1 to one in overtime in the PSAC Championship up at McConnell Family Stadium in Erie. So that's very uh, interesting to have that third-time matchup. Uh, and it'll be the rubber match, as each squad has taken one win so far this season, and these squads are very familiar with each other. Head coach Gary Kagiyama told me, he's like, we have three or four scouting reports on these guys, and, you know, uh, East Stroudsburg is in the same hotel as we are. I just rode up in an elevator with half the team. Um, head coach Gary Tadiavis and East Stroudsburg's head coach met at breakfast this morning, had a nice little conversation. So, obviously, them being a conference foe really placed a, a strength for Edinburgh as far as familiarity. But East Stroudsburg has that same confidence, too, because they know Edinburgh just as well as Edinburgh knows East Stroudsburg. <clears throat> um, what do you think right now are the key factors? What must Edinburgh do to pull out the victory and move on to the Sunday match? It's going to be a tough one. Uh, I mean, we saw and Ed- we saw Edinburgh beat them in the regular season. I think Edinburgh should have beaten ESU in the PSAC championship. They were dominating the Warriors in that first overtime period, but ESU took advantage of their lone opportunity in that extra time and capitalized and won their second straight conference title. For today's matchup, they'll just have to play good defense and take advantage of the opportunities they have. I know head coach Gary Kagiavis is not worried about his defense at the moment. He uh, has not been worried about his defense all year long. In the preseason, he told me that is going to be their strong suit. They're just going to have to figure out how to score goals. And they've done that so far to date. Now, today they're going to have to mind their P's and Q's defensively and, and, you know, put in another day in the office like they have been since, what, September, August, if you count preseason. But now they also are going to need to capitalize on scoring opportunities because they saw what happened if you don't. East Salzburg could end up stealing a win like they did in the conference title match. Right, so they need an entire game worth of focus, clamp down on the defense, and maximize the most of their opportunities they get at the other side, correct? Right, absolutely. You only get so many opportunities, and uh, soccer is an interesting game. You can you can fire off the most shots, but it's what you do with those shots, and if you uh, put them in the back of the net, that's what really matters. If you only have two shots, but you score both of them, and the other opponent has 30 of them, but they don't score any of them, well, you just win despite being heavily outshot in a match. So it doesn't matter if shots. It matters how many go into the goal. Right. So moving on, we have um... – the big announcement came out 
uh, late Wednesday after our show had aired that Coach Browning will not be returning as head coach for the Edinburgh Fighting Scots football team. Uh, Chewy and I talked briefly about it yesterday. Uh, Mike Fenner called in. Mike Fenner also has an excellent article up on edinburghnow.com in regards to this issue. Uh, Tyler, I'd like to get your thoughts. Since you worked closely, uh, you interviewed Coach several times through the uh, Scott Sports Show that you do a wonderful job with on ETV every week. Um, so how, how do you how do you think it, um, or what are you, basically, just what are your thoughts on the deal? Well, I mean, I did interview him on Tuesday for this week's Scott Sports Show, which came out yesterday, and you can watch on GoFightingScott.com at the moment. It, at the time, did not seem like he was going to get let go as far as his mindset. He was talking about 2016. He was talking about the off season, and he was looking forward, moving forward. I mean, he still had some years on his contract, and it sounded like it was a buyout as far as the athletic department negotiating a deal to get out of the contract early with, with Browning and then moving forward um, without him as the head coach. And so it really sounded like it was the athletic department administration decision to let him go. And, and he was, I mean, he was a heck of a guy. He really was. Uh, I, I, I texted him yesterday after I was here in the hotel and uh, just, you know, not looking for an interview or anything, just, just expressing my thanks for everything. And, you know, he, he uh, we exchanged some texts. And he's a great guy. And he's treated Mike Fenner and I very well over the last uh, two seasons. And, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but, you know, it's, it's a decision. And I think uh, Bruce is quoted in my story that you referred to on EdinburghNow.com. Bruce Baumgartner, Director of Athletics for Edinburgh, said it was an extremely tough decision. However, it was the right decision. And, and I agree. I mean, 0-11, you're, you're clinching your fourth straight losing season. You lost at home. You didn't win a conference game. I mean, that's, that's, there's certain things as a football coach you don't want to do. It's like the cardinal sin, and one is to not win on homecoming, and another is to not win at home. Especially Edinburgh was one of the top schools as far as average attendance this year, despite the record. And to not be able to at least get a win for the crowd is is, is tough. So, um, I mean, he's had 30 great years, and, I mean, this is going to hurt his reputation overall because obviously we're short-sighted uh, people as a society. However, he's been here for 30 years, 10 as a head coach, the rest as an assistant, and every single time the Borough football team has made an NCAA playoff appearance, Scott Browning has been on that team, whether as a head coach or as an assistant coach. So he's been here, he's been through it all, the ups and downs of Borough football, and uh, he's, he's done a lot of great things and obviously lately have not been his best years in the Borough. Right. I, I Hopefully, uh, I, I wish the coach well, and hopefully he'd, uh, lands on his feet. I don't know if he's quite done with coaching yet. Um, maybe he's just going to take some time, uh, do some evaluation, and see where he wants to move from here. But I, I wish him the very best um, as he as he moves forward. Um, not a part of the program. They uh, also in the article it mentioned that uh, Bruce Gum- Bumgarner stated that this would be a nationwide search. Um, how how quickly do you feel that this position is going to get filled, Tyler? It's interesting. He also said, as you said, he did say a nationwide search. However, he does say that about every job opening in Edinburgh Athletics. Said the same thing about the women's lacrosse 
uh, position that that was open this past summer and then was filled, of course, by new head lacrosse coach Caitlin Fermato. And that certainly was a nationwide search, actually an international search, as she was ended up coaching in Europe for the last two years. There is the assistant coaches that are still on staff at the moment. Uh, offensive line tight end coach Jack Corey was just recruiting earlier this week. He was having exit interviews with the players just as soon as yesterday. Um, I've seen quarterback wide receiver coach Joe Watson in his truck at McComb Fieldhouse this week. Um, of course, there's defensive coordinator Wayne Bradford, uh, linebackers coach Raven Battle. There are other assistant coaches here. Uh, reports are that defensive back coach Aubrey Kelly is no longer with the team. Uh, of course, him in his second season in the borough. So, um, I mean, obviously a little shakeup already, but those guys are still in place for now. So that does at least keep operations moving. So it's not stagnant as far as that. However, with that being said, Bruce Baumgartner, the rest of the athletic administration, the hiring committee that will be formed by athletic administrators and university officials overall will certainly um, want to move quickly because you want to, you know, it's going to hurt recruiting when you're going into a home of a, of a high school athlete and you want to get them to commit to Edinburgh and not be able to say you have a head coach is troublesome. But like he said in the story, there are five or six people that have already expressed interest with Bruce just hours after they made the announcement that there is a vacancy now at the head football coach position. And I can confirm for you that there is another individual who I exchanged messages with last night that is highly interested in the position, who is a current college football coach, and will be expressing his interest with Bruce as soon as today. So he wasn't with that initial five or six people that jumped on the jumped on board right away, but he expressed, he talked to me last night, we expressed, we exchanged the messages here, and uh, there is definitely a lot of interest from that individual, and obviously if what Bruce said is true from others, uh, whether it's around the state or around the country, uh, Earl football, it's going to be interesting who they're going to tab as their next head football coach here for Edinburgh University. Well, I hope that the, the matter gets resolved quickly, and I'm also very thankful to have you and Mike Fenner on the story because I know you guys are like a dog with a bone. You're not going to let it go until you actually get down to the bottom of the matter. So I look forward it's to your... It certainly is, Tubby. Uh, I think uh, January, I would say, would probably be a good uh, time to see an announcement, um, maybe mid-January. I think right before second semester they'd like to do that because obviously the guys will go home for winter break, the players, um, and over winter break they'd probably like to get a guy at least narrowed down to some finalists or a guy in position to be approved and then get a staff going. The spring ball will be here before you know it. March, April, that stuff starts to roll around. So right. they're going to want to figure this out soon enough and uh, get it going. And I think Bruce, I think Bruce did tell Mike um, that he wants it to be resolved by about January and figure that stuff out. And uh, you're right. It's, uh, Mike and I hopefully will be able to, to break the news, figure it out in the upcoming weeks or even over winter break and figure that stuff out. I mean, as soon as I found out I was on the bus um, on the way to Connecticut when I – saw the story break and uh, I immediately called Mike and, and Mike said he was working on the story and we devised a plan and uh, you know it's unfortunate news has to break when you're on the road but I guess that's part of being a journalist Right, you never you never in the place you want to be but you're always end up in the place you need to be Right, exactly, I couldn't just be right next to my laptop ready and raring to go but uh, right, 
So unfortunately, yeah, that that's how it happened. But you know, I was I'm very happy to be with the women's soccer team and uh, hope to talk about some some positivity um, today. Unfortunately, obviously, as part of coaching, is you lose your job, and uh, that's one thing Coach Browning um, did say in his statement that you know when you become a head coach, you obviously know there's going to be a time when you're going to be no longer the head coach. So, and uh, I think you and I have talked about it on the show. Maybe it was chilly as far as NFL-wise. You take a head coaching job knowing you're going to get fired eventually. Very mm-hmm. few coaches leave under their own decision-making. It's normally from the front office or administrators that are saying, we're going to go in a different direction. Yep, totally agree. Well, Tyler, I don't want to take up your entire morning as you have the broadcast to prepare for at noon. Uh, get yourself uh, all filled up there on that continental breakfast. Get your caffeine ready to go. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you uh, live right here on 88.9 for the noon kick for the women's playoff soccer. Absolutely. Just finished up breakfast. I had to be well-prepared, well-awakened to talk to you, Tubby, on the morning after. Good breakfast, a little bit better than Continental um, here in the uh, here in Bridgeport. And 11.50 pregame coverage will begin. As you said, I'll be uh, flying solo on the coverage on EdinburghNow.com. There is a little bit of a preview written to get you prepared for it so you can tune in edinburghnow.com or the tune in app on mobile devices we got you covered it's the sweet 16 baby it's time to go yes that's right because you know we're we're just all sitting around talking about playoffs don't talk about playoffs that's right that's all we've been talking about for the last week and a half and it's excellent to be here at borough and be able to talk about playoffs tyler thank you so much for your time we will see you at 11 50 my friend Sounds good. Talk to you later. Tell me enjoy the rest of your show. I'm going to try. All right. Take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was our illustrious man on the road, Tyler Trumbauer, live from Connecticut, calling back here to home base in Compton 102 right here in the WFSE 88.9 studios. So that's that's about it. I mean, that almost wraps up my entire show. I only have a few things left to go over with you. I got 10 minutes left to spend with you fine folks, and I know... You guys are going to be heartbroken once I'm off the air because, you know, everybody loves Tubby. <laughs> anyway, I'm just guessing here. But let's uh, let's quickly let's take these last 10 minutes here, and we'll go around the league in the NFL, and I'll give you Tubby's picks for the week if you're in your Pick'em League. Um, as we always already stated at the beginning of the show, Jacksonville did defeat Tennessee by a score of 19-13. to Next, we have Indianapolis versus Atlanta at a 1 o'clock kick. Uh for this one, I think I'm going to go with Indianapolis. Uh, I, I don't know why. I just I just feel that I don't think that uh, Atlanta exactly has it. Then the next one, we have uh, St. Louis versus Baltimore. Again, Baltimore just being a comedy of tragedies or uh, just, just chaos within that team. So I think uh, St. Louis wins this one easily. And then we have, uh, moving on to Washington versus Carolina. Carolina still undefeated uh, going against uh, the Washington Redskins. And I don't see any reason why Carolina can't win this one as well. I I think they're going to be okay. Um, their defense should be able to shut down anything. Although Kirk Cousins is pretty much coming off the game of his life. So, But what he's going to be able to do against that defense in Carolina may not be so much. Uh we're going to move on and look now at Denver versus Chicago. Uh, again, I believe Peyton Manning is out for this game. 
and I don't even know. I have no. I'm trying to look it up, and to be honest with you, I have no idea. Who? The uh, the backup quarterback is Osweiler or some some. Who? Yeah, no idea. So anyway, the backup will be in for Denver, and uh, yeah, I I still think it doesn't matter actually who's quarterback. I think there's enough wrong with Chicago that Denver should still win easily. Um, in a decent game, Oakland versus Detroit. Carr, the quarterback for Oakland, is on fire. I look for Oakland to win easily over Detroit. Uh, then we have the New York Jets over in playing Houston. Uh, Houston coming off that huge upset win over Cincinnati last Monday night. Uh, Houston's going to be rejuvenated, and it'll be interesting to see if the Jets have an answer. I think I'm going to take Houston in this one over the New York Jets. Then we go with Dallas versus Miami. You know what? I, this is one of those games I really don't want to watch. I, I really don't. I, I, I think it's just going to be an ugly game. Um, but I look for Miami to win ugly in this one. And then again, we move to 1 o'clock as uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Tyler Trumbauer's Philadelphia Eagles take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, this one should be a little bit better of a game. And I, I believe I believe in Philadelphia. Until they prove me wrong again, I got to go with Philadelphia. So I have Philadelphia winning that one. Then we look at Kansas City versus San Diego in the 4 o'clock, the first of the 4 o'clock games. And I got to go with, yeah, I'm going to go with Kansas City on this one. I think they're a stronger team than San Diego. I think they pulled this one out quite handily. Uh, then we'll go into the 425 game, which is Green Bay versus Minnesota. Minnesota's been on a tear and is alone in the NFC North. Green Bay coming off a three-game slide. Um, there's a lot of trouble there in Titletown. Okay, if you guys promise not to tell my wife, but I think I'm going to pick Minnesota over Green Bay. Don't tell my wife. Um but I, I would really like Green Bay to win this game, but I don't think that they do. I think Minnesota uh, Minnesota actually beats them this time. Then we look at Seattle versus San Francisco. A lot wrong in San Francisco as well. And Seattle battling back. I think they're on the upswing. I look for Seattle to take this one. And then in the Sunday nighter, it's Cincinnati versus Arizona. Uh, Cincinnati is going to look at trying to get some payback unless this is their classic um, – end-of-year slide for them that they always run into and somehow making the playoffs. But I think Cincinnati will take Arizona. And then the Monday nighter, it's Buffalo versus New England. And I, you know what? I think I'm going to go with Rex. I think I'm going to go with Buffalo, and I think they pull the shocker and beat New England. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me how, because I don't know. But I just think it's, it's, it's going to happen. And in better news, the best news of all. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. The Browns are on a bye week, and I don't have to watch them lose this weekend. That's the best news I've had all day. But there is exciting football for me on Saturday as the Ohio State Buckeyes will be taking on Michigan State. So this is one of those must-win games. If the Buckeyes win and Michigan loses, not Michigan State, Michigan, the team up north, loses, 
that Ohio State clinches the Big Ten East title. However, things get a little dicey and a little mixed up. If the Buckeyes happen to fall and lose to Michigan State, that opens the door for Michigan to win the eastern side of the Big Ten Conference. All they would have to do then is beat Ohio State at home or at their home in Ann Arbor at the Big House the following week. Do I think that's going to happen? Mm, probably not. I think Ohio State. I think this game is going to be a good one between Michigan and Ohio State, but I believe that Ohio State will pull this one out in the end, and then that'll set up for a good uh, dramatic game next weekend as my Buckeyes go face that team up north in Ann Arbor uh, to finish out their regular season. So that's about all that I have for you today on the morning after. I am Tubby. Uh, thanks again to my guests calling in, Pierre Woods, a former NFL player, and also for Tyler taking time out of his day in Connecticut, giving us a preview on playoff women's soccer and also uh, on the coaching change on the men's football team. Don't forget, you can catch Tyler right here. Coverage starts at 11.50 with pregame uh, for the women's playoff soccer match. Kickoff is at noon, and we'll have all that action for you right here on 88.9 WFSE Fighting Scots Radio. If you're unable to tune into the radio, you can stream us online through edinburghnow.com or get us on the TuneIn app on your mobile device. So keep it locked right here to to us as we bring you all the information, not only in sports, but around the local area. We are Campus Media. We are everywhere you are. Have a great day, folks, and I will be right back here in this chair Monday morning, 9 a.m., to discuss everything that happened this weekend. Have a great one. Stay safe, and I will see you Monday.